Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Stand with me. So great to uh, have you here. God has a place for me. God gives me a second chance. How, how many of you are glad God has a second chance for you? Or a third chance? Or a fourth chance? How many of you know where we're going with that? But God also has scars. Do you realize God has scars? If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 20, and I'd like to read just a few passages this uh, morning. Uh, beginning in verse number 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst, and he said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Drop down to verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with him when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Say that last line with me. My Lord and my God. How many of you know Jesus can show up when the doors are shut? And boom, he's there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together today. Let your word accomplish what you send it to do. And Lord, let our hearts be receptive in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's good to see you this morning. One of my first trips to the dermatologist, when, when I grew up as a kid in the 50s and the 60s, we didn't know a lot about sunscreen or hats or things like that. We were just out there, you know, doing our stuff, ranching and farming and so I got into my 50s, and how many of you know when you get to 50s, stuff just begins to happen? I deserve a better amen than that. Listen, when you get to 50s, stuff just begins to happen. And so I went to my little dermatologist. She's not even five foot tall. And Dr. Reinhardt, she said, you know, Mike, you, you've got some things we, we need to take off of you. And I remember the first time she began to cut some stuff off of me. She had that electric knife that was a scalpel that was heated. You ever had one of those that cauterizes you as they cut? And I'm laying there, and I, this white smoke is coming off of me, and this smell is coming off of me. And she said, that stinks, doesn't it? And I said, well, it kind of smells like we're branding cattle out on the ranch to me. And then later on, she said, you know, you have a thing in your face. I'm going to have to cut out. It's deeper. And so she said, well, first I said, when are you going to do that? She said, right now, lay down. So I thought, Okay. <laughs> So uh, she laid me down on the table, and, you know, she, she numbed me. And so I was joking with her, and I said, you're not going to mess up my good looks, are you? 
She said, no, I'm just going to cut right in one of your wrinkles. <laughs> that didn't make me feel any better either. But, you know, one of the things that, that happens here in, in the passage, Jesus is going to his disciples and saying, I'm, I'm going to authenticate who I am and what I've done. So when you look at this passage, you realize that it's interesting that not only is he authenticating the resurrection and the crucifixion and everything that happened to him, but he's having to do this to his own followers. It's not like he's doing this to unbelievers out there in the world. He's having to do this with his very own disciples that he spent about three or three and a half years with. And uh, this hadn't crept up on him. This shouldn't be a shock to him. It's not like these guys didn't have a clue. So could I give you some passages if you want to just jot these down? This is Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. It's right after Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And of course, Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Chapter 17, verse 22. Now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Matthew 20, verse 17. Now, Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests, the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. Matthew 26. Then Jesus said to them, All of you shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I'll smite the shepherd, the sheep of the flock will be scattered abroad. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to, to Galilee. Well, we didn't know this was going to happen, Jesus. D did you realize he told them once, twice, three times, four times, this is what is going to happen. He wanted them to be sure of what was going to transpire in the next few days. He's saying, listen, this is not a dream. This is not a fable. This is not a fairy tale. This is not smoke and mirrors. You need to know that you know that you know that you know. Let me tell you something. In the world we live in, if you're a believer, you need to know that you know that you know. Can I hear an amen? Listen, he is authenticating what has just happened, and it's amazing. Now, sometimes when you look at all these passages, and I, I had to go back and say, how many times did he tell them what was going to happen? It's four times. And listen, if you don't know what's going to happen after somebody's told you four times, you're in the duh moment, right? And these guys just said, oh, we just didn't know this was going to happen. But you know, in the world we live in today, we are bombarded by, listen, fake news. Has anyone ever heard that term? False information, fake news. Last week on the internet, there was a school, high school annual photo of Ron DeSantis appeared on the internet with a quote under his picture. So the school said no students 
the year that DeSantis graduated in the annual had a quote under their photo the year he graduated. So guess what? Fake news. According to the, pre, the, the Pew Research Center, 88% of Americans stated that fake and false news creates confusion. You think? You think? Listen, we are hit with that every day. But you know, you already know this. Everything on the internet is true, right? Everything you read on Facebook is absolutely the gospel, right? Oh, honey, think again. If you believe it's all true, you have drank the Kool-Aid. Some of you get that on the way home. But we've been so callous with the fake and the false that it's almost like it becomes an everyday thing, doesn't it? Now, I don't know if you've ever checked out. You don't see this much now, but over the years, you know, I certainly saw it growing up and even as an adult. Did you ever check out of the grocery store and on both sides of the checkout counter, there were tabloid magazines? Can I give you some of the names? Uh, National Enquirer, the Weekly World News, the Star, the Sun. And if you don't watch it, you know, they'll have extraordinary um, headlines. So I brought a few. These are actual tops of the magazine. Here's one. Titanic survivors found on board. So let, let, let's show you a picture. How did they survive on board all of these years underwater? Isn't that amazing that they actually survived on board? There they are peeking out of the hole of the ship. Here's another one. Hillary Clinton adopts alien baby. Now, let me tell you, there's a lot of things that go on in Arkansas. But I didn't catch that. These are real pictures off of these tabloid news magazines. You know, that really on Hillary. Here's another one. Hillary has six months to live. And at the bottom it says, cruel bill forces her to stay on the campaign trail. <laughs> and Hillary is still with us today. Here's another one. Obama appoints Martian ambassador. That's amazing. And here's one from, I think, 1979. Adam and Eve were astronauts. Did you know Adam and Eve were astronauts? And, of course, there's a picture of Elvis there, so surely he's alive somewhere on the planet. Now, you think, people don't buy these. Do you know people bought those all the time? And today, we don't have, you know, National Enquirer much on the, the stands. Now we have Fox and M you know, NBC, CBS, and... You know, someone the other day was talking about CBS. They said, C-B-S, and uh, you, you'll, you'll, you'll get that as you leave today. Everything on CNN is absolutely the truth. You know, there's Russian collusion, and is that laptop really Hunter Biden's? Um, move on, Pastor. Okay, I will. Last year, 2022, only 40% of people all, all across the land really believed and trusted the media, which means that over 60% of us really, really don't trust the media. Why? Because there's just so much stuff going out there. How do you even know what's true? I want to just give you just a little heads up. I, I've almost completely quit watching television news. I'll read it, but I don't watch it. Why? I'll tell you what, there's a lot of propaganda going out there. 
And so now, here Jesus is going to his own disciples and saying, you need to know that you know that you know. Boom in the room, here I am, look at the scars. You're going to hear all kinds of stories. There's going to be stories about, you know, he swooned, that you, you stole me away, he really wasn't dead, you know, it was fake, and he said, I want you to know, here it is. There's the scars. Here's my side. I want to make sure that you believe what we went through, what you saw, how we ministered, how I died and resurrected, you know this is absolutely the truth. And 2,000 plus years later, we need to know this is true. Because you're going to hear from college professors, uh, teachers, from the media, from all over the world, oh, that didn't happen. That's just a fable. That's just a story. Let me tell you, Jesus wanted to verify this is who I am. This is what I've done. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, what's interesting to me is that this process he did, he, he didn't show up in glowing, transfigured garments. He didn't show up with 10,000 angels. He didn't show up with many crowns on his head. And I believe all of that's going to happen, don't you? But he showed up and said, look at the scars. Do you realize our God has scars? If we believe he is the son of God, if we believe that he is God in the flesh, then we have to realize that the cross was real and he had the marks of redemption. My friends, he didn't go there because he was a sinner. He didn't go there because he had iniquity. He didn't go there because he was a bad person. He went there for us. And he paid the price for sin. And now you and I are the benefactors of so great a salvation because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And he sealed it with the resurrection. Can I hear an amen to that? So it was from the scars that he said, this happened and you need to believe in me. Anybody here have any scars? I just almost guarantee you nobody is pristine here. We all have some scars. When I was a little kid, I had an appendectomy in the 50s, and they put me to sleep with ether. And they took my appendix out, and today my scar is that long. Still today. I mean, tough back in the 50s. Now they just put a few holes in you and suck that baby out. <laughs> but not in the 50s. When I was in the second grade in Montana, I was running uh, by a wooden fence, and I was running close to the fence, and I didn't realize there was a long nail protruding out of that fence, and when I ran by with my right arm, it ripped my arm open. I have a little bit of a scar uh, a few years later still in my arm. We were working cattle one day, and we had a cow that was about halfway crazy, had a problem, and we took up to Doc Rector's to get the cow worked on, and I was in the pen with her, and all of a sudden, she came at me, and I jumped up on the gate, and she hit the gate, and I'd wrap my arm around the top of the gate, and she knocked it into the other pipe, and it blew my fingers out. Have you ever stepped on a hot dog, a wiener, and watched it? Oop. That's kind of what my fingers look like. And so I, I had, you know, flesh popped out. I could see the white bone in my fingers, and... So Doc Rector said, uh, well, Mike, I can, I can fix that for you. <laughs> it's all right to have a vet work on you. 
He said, but my x-ray machine doesn't work right now, and I don't know if your fingers are broke. Maybe you need to go to the emergency room. So this is this, this funny. Dad and Aaron and I, we had been working cattle, and uh, all the stuff that goes with that, and we are nasty, and we're stinky, and we went into that sterile, nice emergency room, and I think the guy who worked on me was a triage doctor from Fort Seal. I'm not for sure. But he looked at my hand, and my, my fingers, part of the stuff in there is blown out in my fingers. And he said, I don't think that's going to go back in. So he took scissors and cut it off and he flipped it over. And I thought, I can't look at this anymore. <laughs> so he sold up my hand and my fingers. And, you know, still today, I, I have scars on both sides of that. When it gets real cold, I, I can feel that. And everybody has some stuff, right? So I was loading some cattle one day, and I had, I don't know, five, six, seven, 500-pound, you know, calves, and I get them in the trailer, and then one turned and ran and knocked me over, and the other ones decided they were going to run over me too. And, and I have actually a hoof print in, in my ankle, my right ankle, and the, the next Sunday when I was ready to preach, I had to preach up here without a shoe because my, my foot and my leg just swole up so much I, I couldn't even put a shoe on. So I preached in one shoe and a sock. And, and, and listen, everybody here, and I want you to watch this, your scar tells a story. Wherever you have a scar, you can look at that scar and say, oh yeah, I got it doing this. Or this happened here. Or, or this is where I got that scar, and then you said this scar, and, and this scar, and, or whatever. So every scar really kind of gives you a little bit of a story. So about a year or two ago, Dr. Jeff cut something out of my neck, and uh, a few years before that, I had some stuff cut out of my back, and I got all stitched up, and one day I was putting my shirt on, and guys, you know when you flex your arms, I, 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 I burst the stitches out of my back, and... I, I could feel it pull, and stuff started running down my back. And I said, Carrie, look, I think I you know, ripped those stitches out of my back. And she said, oh, yeah, you did. She said, you got stuff running out. You need to go back to the hospital. You're going to have it stitched up. I said, no, I'm not going to go back. She said, well, it's going to leave a big scar. I said, listen, when we have grandkids, I'm going to tell them this is where Grandma shot me right here. <laughs> but every scar tells a story. And you got them. Yours are different than mine. Mine's different from you. So in this passage, we see that these wounds start out as wounds, and then they turn into scars. You see, wounds aren't scars, and scars aren't wounds, but wounds turn into scars. How many of you follow me and tracking with me here? And each wound that turns into a scar has a story, and that story is about how we were healed over time. If you have Isaiah chapter 49, I want to give you a passage because I think this is so tremendous and it's wonderful to think about. In verse 15, Isaiah is prophesying by the Holy Spirit. He said, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you or engraved you on the palms of my hands. Who's talking? Almighty God is talking. 
I think the Spirit of the Lord through Isaiah is looking to the future and the Lord is saying, there is one day I'm going to look at my hands and I'm going to see the scars in my hands and I am going to think about you. Every time I look at the scars, I'm going to think about you. If you look at that passage, he uses the word forget three times. Look at it. You know what he's saying? I will not forget you. I will not forget you. I will not forget you because when I look at my hands, I'm going to remember you. That's why I went to the cross. That's why I went through the pain, the agony, the suffering. It's not because I was a sinner, not because I was condemned for my own faults. Matter of fact, I went there for you and I will not forget you. How many of you are glad you got a God that won't forget you? That will remember you and went through some stuff for you. Let me tell you, I'm thankful for that. God has scars according to the word of God. When he talks about, I will not forget you. Remember, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared the first time. Did you catch it? Judas is gone. He's hung himself. There are 10 others there. Thomas is absent. I don't know why. But you know, we've been a little bit rough on Thomas over the years, haven't we? You know what we tagged him? Doubting Thomas. Now, let me tell you why we tagged him that way. He said, I will not believe until. Say it with me. I will not believe until. Listen, that was okay, wasn't it? Thomas is saying, I'm not going to follow some fable. I'm not going to follow something that's not true. I'm not going to follow something that we've concocted here. Unless I see the nail prints in his hands and the wound in his side, and even further, he said, unless I put my finger in the hole in his hand and put my hand in his side, I am not going to believe. Eight days later, they're in the room, door shut. Guess who arrives? Poof, there's Jesus. That would have been enough for me. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. It's funny, they're, they're coming out with a new Star Trek movie. <laughs> so Carrie and I saw a little blip on the television, going to come out with a new Star Trek movie. And I turned to her and I said, I wonder who's going to play the captain. She said, it'll be Captain Kirk. <laughs> captain Obvious over here. I'm talking about the actor. It'll be Captain Kirk. Oh, okay. All right. Until I see the nail prints, put my finger in the hole, my hand in his side, I will not believe. And there's Jesus, and Jesus said, Thomas, Thomas, come over here. Put your finger in the nail print and put your hand in my side. Do you remember what Thomas said after he did that? He said, my Lord and my God. Said that with me. My Lord and my God. You know what Thomas is saying? This is the real thing. This is not fake news. This is not smoke and mirrors. This is not something that's made up. This is the Savior, the Son of the living God. God has wrapped himself in flesh, went to the cross, crucified, died, raised the third day. This is my Lord and this is my God. Wow. I'm getting God bumps just thinking about that. Thomas is saying this is authentic. 
Why would he say that? Do you know that every one of those disciples died a horrible, martyred death except John? John got to live until he was 90-something years old. But everyone died as a martyr. Your attention, please. If that had been me and this had been fake, and they said, Mike, we're fixing to crucify you upside down, and we're going to cut your head off, we're going to flay you alive, we're going to thrust you through with darts, I might say this. Whoa! This was fake. Fake news! None of them did that. Every one of them except John died a martyr's death because they knew that they knew that they knew this is absolutely the truth. And today, you and I can stand here today and say, you know what we know? This is absolutely the truth. So you may be here today and say, well, listen, I don't believe that stuff. That's fine. Uh, you, you cannot believe it. You can believe it. But the problem is there's a heaven and a hell that we have to face after we death it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment and he said i will not believe but the good thing is jesus gave him the evidence he gave him the proof and now one of the things we know here is jesus is willing to go after the one isn't he aren't you glad jesus is willing to go after the one he is matter of fact we have a parable about it it's called the parable of the lost sheep there's a shepherd. He has a hundred sheep. One is missing, and he leaves the 99 to go after the one. How many of you know you are the one? Jesus went after you. The Holy Spirit wooing you and calling you to Christ because he is willing to go after the one person. I've shared this before, but many, many years ago, I was uh, getting ready to preach, and the Lord really just impressed upon my heart to preach about the thief on the cross. And so you know, I begin to read and get ready to preach. And so you know the story. Jesus is crucified between two thieves. One railed against the Lord. You know, he, he's up here with us. And the other one said, hey, we're guilty of what we've done, but he's done nothing worthy of death. And then that one thief said, Lord, when, when you come into your kingdom, he said, would you remember me? And Jesus, remember what he said? He said, today, this day, you will be with me in paradise. So I'm going to preach that that Sunday, and I'm thinking, Lord, you know, they know all about this. I, and, and he just impressed upon me, hey, you know, you preach this. So I, I get up and I preach this message, and I said, I said, it, it seems like everybody around the cross didn't get it right, but one guy hanging next to Jesus, he figured this out. This guy is not guilty, and he is the king, and when he comes into his kingdom, I want to go with him. I preached that Sunday, and, of course, people came to the altar, and there's one guy I, I'd never known. He was probably in his late 20s, early 30s, and I went down and introduced myself, and I said, how can I pray for you? This is what he said. He said, I just got out of prison. I am a thief. I think that Sunday morning, the Lord left the 99 and he went after one. You know, he'll do that, won't he? One Easter Sunday, William, my friend, was sitting back up to my left as I was preaching. And it's Easter Sunday. Guess what you preach on Easter? You preach about the resurrection. So a few days later, William told me this story. He said, Pastor, he said, you got up to preach the resurrection. And I thought, well, it's Sunday. He's going to preach about the resurrection again. I'm going to hear about the resurrection again. 
But then he told me this. I noticed sitting a few pews in front of me, seats in front of me, there were some foreign exchange students from Southeast Asia. And as you preached, I looked at them, and they were listening to you preach. And when you gave the altar call that Easter morning, they came up for prayer. And he said, I'm kind of having a little bit of a bad attitude. I'm hearing about the resurrection again, and I think they may have heard it for the first time in their life. How many of you know the Lord will go after the one? Thomas, listen, I, I want to make sure that you are sure who I am and what I've done. You need to know that you know that you know that you know because there's going to be somebody that's going to try to talk you out of it. There's going to be a professor in college that's going to try to talk you out of it. There's going to be a friend that tries to talk you out of it. There's going to be some movie star that's going to try to talk you out of it. Can I hear an amen to that? You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. And Jesus, not with angels, not with many crowns, not glowing in the dark, he said, guys, here I am. Here's the scars. Look at them. Feel them. Touch them. It's me. And this is what I've done. I want to verify What's happened here with my scars? There is not one person here that doesn't have scars. Hey, don't take away my scars because my scars tell some of my story. Ladies, some of you may have scars because of childbirth. Guys, some of you may have scars because of the war or an accident. Could be a car or a truck. It could be a struggle. could be many things, right? But those scars tell a little bit about your story. So you and I have to realize that scars tell stories. And this, this story I'm telling is really verified by scars, according to Jesus. You see, wounds and scars are different. Wounds are still oozing. They're still hurting. Scars have healed and this is what I found out. Sometimes they're external wounds, and sometimes they're internal wounds. Wounds that nobody can see, but you know you got them. Somebody said something, you were disappointed. Some people have scars of marriage, scars of divorce, financial scars, scars with children, and children with scars from parents. A lot of different kind of wounds and scars, isn't there? So maybe today you came with scars and you said, hey, I got a story to tell because I've been through some stuff. I want to verify that. So last week I was talking with Matt and he decided we're going to do this series God Has. And I said, Matt, I think I'm going to preach about this. God has scars because... If you're a mechanic and you don't have any grease under your fingernails, and I look at you and you've been manicured and you have a little gloss on them, I'm not really for sure if you're a mechanic. And if you tell me, hey, pastor, I got 500 cows, and the next time I see you wearing your boots, and if, if I can lift them up, if you don't have any stuff on the bottom, come on now. I'm not for sure if you got any cows, because I know if you got cows, you got stuff. Hey, Jesus is not telling us something he can't prove. He's not telling us something that he's not going to verify. 
And you may be here today and say, Pastor, I got some wounds. This is what I know. Our Jesus is a healer. And he can heal those wounds. And he can also testify of our scars. I know moms have a lot of scars, not just physically. Listen, you can't raise kids without a few scars. Ladies, would you say amen to that? Ladies, let me ask you another question and maybe even make a statement. Can you be married very long, not have a few scars? <laughs> Guys, can you be married very long, not have a few scars? Let me tell you how you got the scars. You had some wounds. So I don't know where you're at today. I know our Jesus has some scars. Will they be in heaven? I think so. I think so. Will we have scars in heaven? I hope that we're perfected and have a glorified body without scars. Because I think we're going to be a lot better looking in heaven than we are right now. Hey, look at your neighbor. Yeah, I think we're going to be a lot better looking in heaven than we are right now. But I still think in heaven, Jesus is still going to have the scars. Why? I've engraved you on the palms of my hand. So every time I look, I will not forget you. That brings tears to my eyes. That I serve a God that will never forget me. And if you feel like you're alone today, sir, let me tell you, God hasn't forgotten you. And ma'am, if you feel like you're alone, I'm going to tell you, your God has not forgotten you. Let me tell you why. He said, every time I look at the palms of my hands, I will not forget you. Would you bow your head with me? Today, as we sit here, I, I, I think I'm looking at a lot of people that's had some scars, some hurts, some wounds. Some have healed, maybe some have not healed. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to know him. He died for you. He said he would not forget you. He did it for you and me. You need to know him. If you don't know Christ, today would be a great day. And if you are a believer, you're headed to heaven. I know that you cannot get through this world without some stuff. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have some tribulation. You're going to have some wounds. You're going to have some scars. If you don't know Christ today, or maybe you've wandered away and you need to make that step back to where you need to be with him, would you just lift your hand with mine right now? Thank you. Is there anybody else? You just thank you, thank you, thank you. This is awesome. People are raising their hands right now. I need to get right with the Lord. Thank you so much. Let me ask one more question. You're sitting here. I can't see your wounds and I can't see your scars. But if you have some wounds that need to be healed, if there's something in your life right now that has wounded you, would you be so bold and courageous to say, 
Pastor, I'm going to lift my hands because I need the Lord to keep healing my wound. And one day I can testify to the scar. But today, I need the healer. If you've had some wounds and you're healing from those wounds or you have them fresh, would you lift your hand right now and say, Pastor, I got some wounds and I need a touch from Almighty God to help me with my wounds. Would you stand with me all over this house? If you raise your hand, our prayer team's going to come and line up this front right now. But I want you to be very courageous. If you lifted your hand for any reason or if you didn't, I want you to step out right now. I want you to come right here in front of me. Come on. Folks, let's give them a hand. They're coming right now. Come on. You lifted your hand. I want you to come right now. Nobody's going to embarrass you. No, nobody's going to uh, lead you to a, a, a dark room or anything. I want you to come and stand right here. You need to pray about something. You need to say, God, I need some help right now. So folks are coming. I'm going to wait for you. People are still coming. Come on. It's all right. You lifted your hand. Just come right here. We're going to pray. We're going to dismiss. But I believe in the God who heals our wounds. He's the God who helps us, leads us, and guides us. He's the God that moves in our life like nobody else can move. Our God has scars. If you can pray, we, we need about 30, 40 people up here to help us pray. Would you circle this group that came up? Come on, church. Let's be the church. Let's gather around them. Let's pray together. You who are there, would you stretch out your arms this way? Stretch out your hand. Let's pray together because God heals our hurts. Come on, pray with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're our God. You're the mighty God. Father, we pray right now for your healing touch. We pray for health. We're praying for wholeness. We're praying for the miracle-working power of God in their life. Lord, we come to repentance where we failed. We confess our sins. And God, now today, as we get ready to leave this place, we're praying that you would heal hurts. You would heal wounds, marriages, children, moms, dads. But most of all, God, we need our sins forgiven and our lives healed by what you've done. So Lord, today, we love you, we praise you, we exalt you. God, touch these lives. Heal, deliver, set free. And we'll give you praise, we'll give you glory, we'll give you honor in the awesome, mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you, have a great rest of the day. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.